All right. We get to that exciting part where we always say we never, ever forget. And one thing I can tell you is that my legend tonight received uh, the club chairman special award. He actually made history back in 1978 when he became the first white man to don their famous black and gold jersey. Now, that was, of course, back in the dark days of apartheid. It was also following the what they call the predicted collapse of the whites only National Football League, uh, where he had starred for... Uh, the southern suburbs, also uh, for the Jewish Guild, and of course, my favorite, Lusitano, uh, before doing it at Wits University. I can only say good evening to Lucky Staliano. Good evening, and welcome to the Legend Show. Good evening, Rob, and thank you very much, and good evening to the all football lovers as well. You would have been happy to know that your team, eh, 50 years old, celebrations all round you were part of that history you are alive today in 2020 to witness that history what went through your mind when all of these invitations were going through you were going down memory lane and so where to the historic game against silence park was being played and you knowing that you played such a pivotal part thank you rob uh, it's been an absolutely amazing amazing journey uh I'm sure that people will start understanding once the, the 50th celebrations through by the end of the year because our marketing department at Kaiser Chief has been absolutely amazing under Jessica Matom. And I think the public and even the non-Chief supporters and non-football followers will understand that Kaiser Chiefs is an institution. It belongs to the people run by the Matom family. And Brakay obviously has been outstanding and what is amazing about the 50th anniversary is this amazing journey that Brake and the club traveled together. They're the only two people that walked this distance and obviously plays in between made this one, one fantastic celebration. Did it bring back any specific memory for you? Did it place you historically in a certain era? Or were there just multiple multitudes of thought patterns that were going through your mind? Well, there is so much going through my mind. And, you know, I was on, on the SABC program with a couple of legends from Chiefs about two months ago, celebrating the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. But what goes through my mind is being the first white to walk onto that Soweto pitch, uh, I had to realize that I had a huge responsibility to the football lovers in this country. It wasn't just me walking on the pitch. It was the new South Africa I, I thought was walking onto the pitch. And I realized that I had to play my game. And with great players like Teenage Dladler, Ace and Selenga, Sharp and Kobo, it, it was for me a, a wonderful occasion being a sports lover. But being on that pitch, I had huge responsibilities as well. But I must state Throughout my time at Kaiser Chiefs and throughout my time on the field with the players and opposition, there's never been a stitch of racism that even kept its head out of the ground or whatever you want to say. It was always wonderful. The the team that I played for um, were wonderful uh, teammates today. We're not only friends. We can use a statement that uh, Ryan Moffat King, our captain, used. We're now outstanding friends. We've absolutely stayed together. And I think this must mm-hmm. go down to the club itself because the, the love and peace that everybody says, it's exactly what Kaiser Chiefs is about. The friendships, the camaraderie, uh, the, the love the supporters have for the club. It's a world-class club. 
a world-class sporting team, and all supporters in the country cannot ignore what Kaiser Chiefs has done for sport in South Africa. When the Springboks won the World Cup now, they're telling us after mm -hmm. the World Cup that sports brought the nation together. Well, I think Kaiser Chiefs brought the nation together 40 years ago. So rugby appears to be celebrating the World Cup, but they appear to be 40 years behind the soccer lovers in this country. Sure, that's a powerful statement. That is a really powerful statement. Well, is, is it a statement of intent? When you look at the... At the development, I'm a, we, we've had to fight issues of transformation, but it just looked like it was seamless back in those days. You know, whether it was Jimmy Joubert, uh, whether it was the Stuart Lillies, whether it was Peter Balak, uh, whoever it was that was playing at the time that happened to be a white person, they were welcomed. You know, whether it was Andy, Jesus, Christ, Karajinsky, everybody was just welcomed with open arms. Race was not an issue, especially when you go into the black townships. But... It was under an apartheid regime, and now that freedom and democracy has come through, it's only now in the last World Cup where rugby's just enjoyed probably its most transformed team ever. Do you see that as a bit of a conundrum? Well, the way I see it is uh, the football players in those days that they moved over to the NPSL, the black sides and all that, they made a statement. And the statement was also made by the chairmen of each club accepting the players. I will never forget my, the way Ryder Moffat King introduced me to the players. He took my hand, did traditional African way, held my hand. Um, I knew the players before because I've played against them a couple of times. Um, like in 1974 was the Continental, the Multinational Series, and you had the white, black, Indian colored 11. And they threw in all the Continentals, the Continental 11, and I happened to be uh, lucky enough to make that squad, and actually we won that tournament. But then that's the first time I bumped into Jomo, Brakay, uh, Ace. Then during my days at Wits, we had organized a friendly against Kaiser Chiefs in Swaziland because we weren't allowed to play in South Africa. And once again, I met the players and Teenager gave me a run around that day. That's the first time I realized that there's one outstanding young player that should be playing overseas. Mm. So it wow. all started, the momentum was there really that the players wanted mixed football. You know, the polit politicians kept yeah. us apart, but we saw no difference. We were just South Africans that want to enjoy what we were good at. And from there, it started to snowball. I was going to just quickly come in there. Sorry, like, yeah, we've got to, we've got to break away quickly for a, a news update. Uh, do send us any question. Lucky like Staliano is my guest here tonight. 0605842250. Part of a Kaiser Chiefs team that was magic. If you've heard, if you don't know, this little news break will give you time to ask your elders about the Chiefs of that era or ask and invite them to send a voice note. I know sometimes I'm over my dad are like, about like you don't know how to use WhatsApp voice notes. So teach them, let them ask questions because right now though, Amanda Machaka has got the latest news. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. Sure, Rob, Sianda in Cape Town. Wow. Yeah, the statement about Kaiser Chiefs having united, or maybe football, South African football, having united the country more. It's, it's quite profound, Rob. I, I really felt it myself, you know. It, it just shows you that there, there, there are parallels in this country, especially with regard to football, that I think are not, uh, you know, well embraced in terms of how much of a contribution it has made into the integration of people of this country. I, I really love what your 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 guest is saying. I think I really buy into that statement and I felt it, Rob. You know, very, very well done for that.
Hello Robbie, this is Daniel Papir from Richie in the Northern Cape. I would like to thank the legend Lucky Stalliano. I didn't know that he was the first white to play for Kaiser Chiefs. I think his name must also be in the history books. Thank you. Evening, Tarop. Uh, Mr. Madlubutu, I just want to thank Mr. Lucky Stalliano for the foundation they laid in building Kaiser Chiefs to put it to 80s today, because if it wasn't for that foundation, there will be no case achieves. And especially playing in the apartheid era as a white person playing for black people, there's one other thing that I want to ask to him, what is he doing now in terms of football? I'm your guys from Nel Mafia's Extension 7 in Mamilod. I'm listening to you, Tarop. Thanks. Robby, good evening and good evening to, to, to your guest today. Robby, I don't know, I honestly don't know uh, your guest because the age was not on my side maybe that time he was playing i was still hunting some in amazon somewhere there in the bushes but Robbie, <laughs> if he got the chairman share from keza mutawong that was that that means that he was an incredible player he was a good player for sure i can confirm that because keza mutawong will never give such an award to 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 to, to any player so uh, that's all I want to say. I don't know you, man, but old man. I don't know you, old man, but surely you were a very good player. I saw your picture on Marawa uh, uh, Twitter. I don't. I didn't know you, but now I will listen and know you better. Thank you, wise man, PE. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. Oh, man, I love you, energy, wise man. In, in fact, Lanky, he is a wise man because, you know, I always admire and respect people that are honest. And he says that he does not know, but he appreciates because of the time where you were playing versus when he started waking up to the presence of the greatness of Kaiser Chiefs. And and that for me, you know, he's somebody who obviously jokes around. So nothing that he said should ever be taken personally. So I respect a person who says, I've got time for Lucky Staliano because what he's saying resonates with me. Well, Rob, you know, it's it's something uh, in my philosophy and something I grew up. I had very liberal parents, you know, and they felt that apartheid was definitely wrong. And I think our family made some contribution, well, even in the, in the amount of contribution that it should have been done many years ago, it had to be vast. So our family went about helping people that needed help and especially a bit of education. So from my parents it started, and, and that philosophy filtered right through to my children as well now. So it's important. I think South Africa, the history we've had and the apartheid was devastating. I can remember the, the difference when I traveled in my car and I crossed the line into Soweto. And I saw all the gogos and all the granddads and the people, and I was quite amazed how happy they were. You know, yeah, coming out from the white world and being at Wits University and had the privilege of being educated, all of a sudden I'm entering a world where people were denied rights, not privileges, they were denied rights. And, and it bothered me. So I, I'm absolutely very happy that I made that step. I think it was a step that should have been done by many people many years ago and made a statement. But what I saw in the townships, I had a, a doctor called Dr. Chauveau. It was a doctor for Kaiser Chiefs. He had his... Yes. You remember Dr. Chauveau. He was also lately the yes, South African boxing medical... For boxing, uh, yeah. yes. as well. And I used to go to his, 
his, his rooms, if you want to call him, it was a little room near, just outside Perfeni, and he was, he, to get to him it was a sand road, and the patients had to sit outside on chairs. And I, after the game was a little bit injured, I used to go see him, I would sit outside there and, and have a chat with the Gorgors. And they, they were so happy having a chat, and I was quite amazed. The, the South Africa I saw there was a very happy South Africa. I saw kids in the park, little girls playing, little boys playing. I heard laughter. If you kept quiet and concentrated, you, you'd have actually pick up the laughter in the parks. The parks were full. So I, I couldn't understand how this wonderful little world that meant much to many millions of people been denied certain basic rights, how happy they were. Mm. And it was a very important lesson that I tried to tell people outside in the privileged world we got something wrong here. We're not as happy as the people I've seen. And my most, if I had got another minute just to carry on about that, I, yeah, had, sure. I had a wonderful game against Valcom Real Arts. Somehow, wherever I went, the ball followed me. Wherever I went, the ball. In fact, I wanted to tell the ball, why are you following me so much today? So I had an outstanding game that day. And an old, old man, shoeless, no shoes, uh, torn pants and a torn T-shirt in the middle of winter walked up to me. He put his hand in his pocket, and the, our, our bodyguards, if you want to call them that days, because the crowd used to invade the pitch and all that, and they prevented mm. him from getting closer. And they said, no, he wants to speak to me. So I went up to speak to him, and Banks and Jackie came with me, and everybody. He put his hand in his pocket and took out about 25 cents. That's all he had. Mm. And I stood there. And he gave me the money. And I felt so bad about it. And I told him, no, you wait here. I'm going to the change room to get you some money. And Banks and Jackie Masika told me, Lucky, it's, you're going to insult the man if you don't take his money. So I had to take the money. I was absolutely devastated. That's all he had. And I could see him walking home after the game and had no food and no taxi, whatever it is. So... He was a supporter that came out to watch Kaiser Chiefs play, and he gave me everything he had. And w when everybody moved off the pitch, I quickly sprinted to the change room to get some money to run back to try, and I couldn't find him again. I stood there devastated. And that statement that that gentleman made that day was how I see South Africa, that we should share everything. But how likely are we to turn that on its head? Because that's the most remarkable story, though, Lucky, that I really appreciate it in terms of your narration and articulation of it and the memory that you still bring to it today. Is You would sense right now, though, because there has been a turnaround, there has been a democracy, you were playing for Kaiser Chiefs in its most successful period. In, in fact, you were part of that... A team that played in Kaiser Chiefs' most successful period in time where, if I'm not mistaken, you won all the five trophies in 1982 and 84. Correct. As well as a, a number of league and cup doubles that you won along the way. Yes. So for the new so-called dispensation of Kaiser Chiefs who can go five seasons without winning any silverware, I mean, surely, and having spoken and had Ryan for Gang on the show and having spoken to so many other different kinds of Chiefs legends, Yan, Malabodichaba, and so on, they would tell you that regardless of what the coach would say or do, 
you guys as the players led by the seniors would take it upon yourselves to say we are disappointing our fans we need to do x and y our code says do y no we're gonna do z but that hasn't happened for five seasons you, you guys would not have allowed that to happen why do you think this has been the case well you know when you've got a team of outstanding players uh, if you look at the you know, modern training methods today, sports science and higher fitness levels, uh, the standards should be improving. And I've had this debate with many, many coaches and chairmen of clubs. And I voiced my concern. But if one has to go back, and, and I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on this, and what, what I'm picking up is going to the schools in the townships, and there is no sports fields. The Minister of Sport is wasting too much time chasing professional sport. He should now start digging deep into his pocket and put money where development should be, out in the out in the provinces and all that. Because what you notice when a child comes to, because I headed the Kaiser Chiefs development for a number of years, and every child yes. coming there had wonderful technical skills in the short game, the short passing game, the toe touching and the flicking. Uh, if you played a five-a-side game against England on a small pitch, I'll, I'll put my money on South Africa. But that's where it ends. Uh, our expansive game, and the coaches are not picking this up, the expansive game, the, the, the getting down wide and whipping the crosses in and the big tall striker meeting the cross and the cross, and the crossing is excellent, uh, the driving of the ball across the park or over the defenders, because yeah, in South Africa the crossing needs to be worked on, uh, the long passing, which is the best pass in football, once your team attacks you, obviously, and it breaks down, you've got six, seven of their players attacking you. And once you win that ball, you've got six, seven players out of position. So if you can play the long, quick ball to your strikers, for example, Drogba in the days of Chelsea, one-on-one, he'd do the job. And, and that's why we're failing to score a lot of goals in this country, because our strikers are not getting balls quick enough. And now we're trying to copy this Barcelona tic-tac ball across the park and across the park and across. It's not, it's not winning football. You know, one team can do that, and that's Barcelona. Mm. And whenever a team has a winning formula, everybody tries to copy that. But now Liverpool have said, you know what? You want to knock the ball about at the back, we're going to put pressure on you in your own half. So I reckon our coaches need to be bold enough. But our failure is the expansive game. The, the, The facilities at the school, there's no facilities. So the children play on a small little pitch, and they... They become specialists in the small knocking about and the one-twos. But the minute the expansive game comes on and you need to knock the ball 40, 60 meters and the vision is not there, simply because the upbringing hasn't taught them to play the expansive game. And I think that needs to be dealt with. Hmm. That is remarkable. When I think of maybe at the time of your reception at Kaiser Chiefs, like, and I'm trying to almost juxtapose all of these stories that we're telling here. Because I, I remember at some point reading what uh, Joseph Banks at Lodi had to say about you and your integration into the team and how the then coach Mario Tuani uh, was, was able to introduce you to the team. And it was quite funny. I mean, I know that there was horses and horse racing and the interest around horses that yes. came up from time to time around that. But he was quite clear, though, that uh, he, he was you were not there to take anybody's place. You, you were basically there for a purpose. And when Chiefs played against, um, was it against Wanderers? 
and uh, I think 1010 uh, was not available. So you, you came in and you scored a goal. I, I believe the most remarkable goal from about 50 yards out. Correct. And that shut everybody up. Well, you see, I was, the, the style of play in those days was also a bit of showmanship. And um, I was used to the quicker game, the speedier game, and the more direct game. And obviously, through that, you be, I, I felt myself as, as being one of the better passers of the team. And, well, I kept on doing the right things, and the coach would say, lucky, lucky, you can't go up too much. We've got too many players going forward. I'm going to find you. Your job is to stay back and secure the midfield. Be a solid central midfield, midfield player and just direct players away from the, from the goals and hold them up until your team gets back. I mean, with the talent Ace had and Teenage Lardler and Wagga Wagga, you couldn't expect them to get back and defend. The talent was there to put opponents under pressure by just simply giving them the ball. But, but you know, obviously the ball came to me, and I, before I joined Kaiser Chiefs, I scored quite a few goals from quite a distance. So I took advantage and I just cracked one, and it flew right into the back of the net from the center circle. And I think a lot of the Chiefs fans who would have been there at the time, and I did ask the young ones to allow their parents to uh, to listen into the show. And I do believe that lots of the voice notes are coming through. Oh six oh five eight four double two five zero. Let's listen in to what the people are saying. They're listening very carefully. I'm loving this because, I mean, I know like his experience when it comes to football. Um, I know the kind of football brain that he has, the respect that he he obviously has amongst the faithful, not only of Kaiser Chiefs but of football at large. Hi Marawa, thank you for bringing on the Kaiser Chief and Hevet University legends, Lucky Staliane. Uh, I'm Dr. Msibi from Brayton. Lucky, uh, I'm very proud, my friend, that you are still around. I can hear you, you're still live and kicking. There's a teacher at Brayton. He got his name, his uh, nickname after you, even today. The children, because he's a teacher, they are calling him Stalian after you. By the, by the way, the name of that teacher is Lucky. Lucky Mtsuini. But today, everyone is calling him wow. Stalian. Uh, his kids, as from now on, they will know where this name comes from. The name comes come from the legends of Kaiser Chiefs. Thank you. Away. Away, away, Robert, away. Thanks, thanks. Thank you. Hola. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, just, just to uh, add to that... Um, my son's a, yeah. in a lawyer now, and uh, he was in court in mm. Pretoria one day, and they called the accused, and they said, Lucky Stiliano. Now, my son said, geez, Dad, I thought you were going to be called up. You've been charged for something. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he asked the youngster, where did you get your name from? And he says, no, my, uh, my coach gave me this name, and my father also gave me this name. So, you know, and then secondly, wow. the other, well, quite a while back, I... Uh, I looked Jeez. at the obituaries of one newspaper and I saw Lucky Stuliano passed away. And he had his full name, but his nickname was Lucky Stuliano. So you know, I thank the supporters for wow. acknowledging me the pain for Kaiser Chiefs. And it's quite amazing, actually. You know what that means, uh, though? In, in 2020 lingo, no, you, you're <laughs> a brand. Thank you, Robert. And thank you to the, to the Let's supporters. Let's listen to more. Uh, Rob, uh, we're listening to the old man there. Can you please ask him if uh, what is his take on how Chiefs play today? I was young, I don't know him, 
party from what I've heard and seen. Chiefs of yesterday was playing a beautiful brand of football. It was everything. Today, what is his take on how Chiefs play today? And does he think that Chiefs is going to win the league? Or this is Xie from Jovic. Thank you. Well, my opinion, my opinion at this stage is uh, Chiefs are in the in the front line. They're the ones that are the favourites. Um, but self belief, you know, when you play for Kaiser Chiefs, and a plus, and a player comes not through development or he just joins the first team, people have got to understand the immense pressure players go through when they walk down that tunnel and onto the stadium. The Kaiser Chiefs demand success. The supporters are the club. And that can put huge pressure on players. So if the players are not mentally and emotionally, professionally uh, capable of dealing with that type of pressure, and you've got to understand when a crowd, when a team comes and plays Chiefs and they hold you to nil-nil at half time, the pressure now starts mounting on the players. There's no doubt about it. That is a tactic that some coaches have picked up, that if you can keep a, a top team uh, going into the change room north north at half time, they got problems because now the crowd's going to ask for changes and put pressure on the players. And now what happens with that? And I've seen it with many players that I've played with. A player now doesn't want the ball. Because of crowd pressure, some players now play, get the ball, or they pretend they're marked and they don't want the ball. When Chiefs all of a sudden score a goal and this huge crowd is now behind them, then every player wants the ball. Players now, it's not simply just coaching Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, uh, you can get coaches and coaches. The, the thing is, the players must be capable, capable of playing for Kaiser Chiefs. And the current squad, they're still young. They're going to learn this, how to deal with this, and how to win and, and not be scared to get the ball. You see, the most important thing when you deal, deal with youngsters, they must make mistakes. But can the crowd accept it? Making mistakes will make you a better player. Because if you're too scared to make mistakes, then you don't want the ball. So uh, this is most important. Uh, motivation, you know, if you can get players to roll up their sleeves and want to play for cars, it's the biggest honor in South African football. So you've got to go out there and find those players, those leaders, those self-motivated players that want to win. And so the, the question is, when you sign a player and you ask a coach three months later, did you buy the right player? Then some coaches, even the greatest coaches will tell you, I wish I knew him three months before. So sometimes you do make an error in signing a player, but obviously the technical staff uh, do their homework. But you might pick the right player at another club, but when he's playing in front of a few hundred or a few thousand players, but when now you're representing millions of people, it's a different ball game, and those are the players that will win you league titles. Sure. You've made a number of people very happy. In fact, we just got a tweet from Ganyuso Matamba. Ganyuso says, "Thank you for bringing this legend." The man once gave me a whole presidential suite ticket and took me as his guest at the FNB Stadium. Now, this was after we had spoken about the yesteryear football and promised to send him all his photos. It's a pity that he's not on WhatsApp. But he has one very, very grateful soul. You made his day and you were able to sacrifice 
a whole presidential suite ticket. Now, thanks, Rob. It's, it's wonderful to have people like that. You know, I, I'm sure that all footballers played for a big club like Kaiser Chiefs. You know, uh, the marketing and the, the branding of the club and teaching players how to deal with the public is very important. It's not your club. You, you're going passing through this club and it's vital, absolutely vital to keep people and players happy. Irrespective of whether they play for Kaiser Chiefs or they're playing for Amazulu or Maddersburg, whichever club they play for, players and all players and teams and management must have time for supporters. You've had time for us. You always have time for us. You have time for the listeners. So many people love you. So many voice notes that have come through. And it's about your wisdom. It's about your presence. It's about your contribution, like Estaliano, that all of us here in Marawa Sports Worldwide would always just say a very simple word. Thank you for your contribution. That's all we wanted to do is thank you. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate everything. And to the public, please take care and stay safe. In these times, we certainly hope to do that. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks so much to the team up in Johannesburg. Lula Cafe Naked DJ standing by to take you through on Metro Vam for a ride of your lifetime. And I'm sure on Radio 2000, Yamasa Kent should be dragging you into the weekend. Have a good one.